Remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in life. All right, hello and welcome to Dan's Perspective, the podcast that brings you all the tools, insights and information that you can use in your own life to achieve whatever it is you want to achieve. Today I am super excited to be interviewing a New Zealand-born actor who grew up in Australia, currently resides in Vancouver in LA. He's making waves in the industry, having appeared in Pirates of the Caribbean, Australian super sitcom Neighbours. Uh, which is huge in the UK for, for over 30 years, I think. The Devil May Care short film franchise of The Sultan and the King, along with directing and producing credits. So watch this space, ladies and gents. It's a pleasure to be bringing you from Vancouver. Dave Beamish, how are you, Dave? Good, thanks, Dan. How are you doing, mate? Very good. It's been a while since we've seen each other. We've, we've collaborated and talked a fair bit, but face-to-face, it's been a while. How are things in, in beautiful Vancouver for you? It has, man. Way too long. Way too long. Um, it, Vancouver's been really good. Yeah, I've been getting set up here for um, past two months. I came back in April, went back to Australia, did some more projects over three months, and now I'm uh, well and truly living here, and it's uh, it's been pretty busy since I've got here. Well, I've, I've been following you on the Insta and on the social and other bits and pieces. It's like you're doing oh, more holiday than, than acting, mate. That's what it looks like, but... <laughs> No, that's just what British Columbia looks like, mate. It looks like a, a freaking. It looks like a movie because they shoot a lot of the movies and TV shows here, and uh, yeah, they, it's just um, yeah. No, it's been a lot of working, a lot of working outdoors, um, a lot of a uh, lot more auditioning than I'm used to, which is fantastic. And uh, yeah, we're we're getting after it. We're making some stuff, and uh, yeah, I mean, we did used to collaborate, and you know what? It sounds like we're going to be again, Dan. So that's kind of exciting. Absolutely. So the last time we, we spoke back in Oz, you were working on Rogue, on Rogue Roy. With the day. Yes, Rogue Roy. Yeah. Um, so that's some of the things that we're sort of working together on at the moment. But uh, just give us some background on what you what are you up to? What have you been up to with with some of the projects you're working on, uh, and just life in general? Yeah. Um. So well, some of the projects I've been working on. Um. So I've got several in uh, in the works now. I started out as an actor solely but uh, in the last uh, 12 months pretty much <laughs> pretty much since we shot Rogue Roy initially which is coming close to 12 months to the day um, very much switched into that actor producer writer more mindset so um, yeah I've had a lot more kind of come my way ever since um, we've got about three or four TV concepts uh, going we've, we've shot several teasers and uh, concept trailers for them um, and you start developing things, what is called treatments as well. So treatments uh, kind of break down what a, what a series would look like with this particular uh, universe uh, and what the, the structure of that those episodes would look like, what the synopsis is, those types of things. I love that stuff, by the way. Like it really just – it really is something I enjoy. I enjoy the writing side of things, but it's, it's kind of fun to create something out of nothing. So, um, yeah, I'm really enjoying those types of projects at the moment, mate. And uh, – yeah, we've got some exciting stuff that has not been released yet, starting with Rogue Roy, some very, very exciting stuff that's going to be coming out in the next, next few weeks to a couple of months. It's going to be staged out. Yeah, I've actually seen some of the, the cut scenes and it looks really good. So um, I'm, I'm, for one, I'm very keen to actually see this thing come to light because it's, it's, it looks it looks spectacular. Just on the, the making the transition or, or working – uh, parallel with your acting, the directing and producing is that is that something that you prefer to do, or do you, is the acting still the heart and soul of, of Dave? Oh no, acting is still very much what I am at my core, most definitely. I mean, it's um, it's one of those things where yeah, I used to do a completely different profession, but sort of slowly worked out that uh, this is what I've been the entire time, and. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's still what I am to this day. It's still very much me solely. Um, but the the producing and directing are their own kind of fun things. I mean, I really do enjoy producing a lot. That's that's something that's a lot of fun. It's the creative problem solving side of it. Um, directing, I'm still kind of working my way in between. Like I I know I can be very specific with my visions and things like that but um on this latest we just worked on a, a short film literally the weekend before i left australia and i teamed up with my buddy zach loy and uh we co-created co-wrote it and co-directed it so that was 
that was much more fun because it was felt like much more collaborative. Felt much, much more collaborative. Well, how do you get two directors in the same room at the same time without killing each other? There's, there's an accomplishment. <laughs> well, Zach, Zach and I have just been friends for a long time, I think, and, and um, he literally, I think he worked on the very second film I ever did as an actor. So, um, yeah, we've known each other for a long time, and I think it was just a, a long time coming. You, know, you mentioned your, your previous life. Tell us about that. I started out. Studying it, I went to, to architecture school straight out of high school and um, and got a job about six months into the um, into the degree. So I then worked for in that industry for about seven years um, with little breaks in between. I took I actually ended up um, walking away from my job in the end to go and work on Pirates of the Caribbean for a total of um, four or five months. Which was which was pretty great, and that really you know felt like the next next step to moving forward. So, um, yeah, it um, architecture is is a very interesting industry. It's just uh, it's it's what whether or not you it suits your personality type. Just like just like any, um, I guess just like any profession, it's got to really feel like it's it's what you want, and you've got to vibe on those little intricacies. I could sit and work on film and and editing. And my editor will will attest to this because he sometimes hates me for how fiddly I am with it. But um, it's uh, it's something that I could I could do forever. It's just you you where your eye for detail shows up is probably the with the place that you should be working the most. Would you say? Would you say, obviously you're you're a creative person, and you know I'm a creative person, so we we live in a completely different world to anybody else. Um, mm. You know, architecture is. Obviously, it, it's not as creative as it can be because it's very regimented and structured. Did you struggle with that? And, and obviously, you've been creative for most of your life. Why did you choose to do that? And did you always know you wanted to be an actor or, and you chose architecture because anyway, it was safe or you thought it was the right thing to do? Give us some background. Great. That's killer questions, man. Really good questions. Um, so I really did um, – when I went into architecture, I really did want to do it because – um, I felt like, you know, it was the most creative I got to be at high school, but I wasn't doing drama at the time. I didn't do drama at the the entire, entire way through high school and except for my first year. And the funny thing is now I teach, I'll go in and I'll run a class or a workshop and, and kind of teach them, tell them what I do and about the industry um, in my own kind of way that I like to teach. And um, I love to open it, up, open it up with, look, guys, I didn't do senior drama. I wish I had, but... I didn't do it, so you guys are already ten years ahead of me, you know. So um, I love to frame it in that way. But I, I went into architecture because it looked creative and it felt creative at, at first. But once you get into the industry, you, you'll find that for very important reasons, it's very, um, as you say, regimented. It's very um, standardised. There's Australian standards. There's there's all kinds of standards and there's all kinds of very specific guidelines and and uh, checks you have to meet and um, safety. Uh, safety requirements and all these types of things that you really have to know and, um, and respect and have an, eye for detail, de- have an eye for detail for so that people don't end up getting uh, hurt or anything like that. So, um, so yeah, when you, when you do get into the architecture industry, it really is um, – it, it takes a long while before you get those creative opportunities, if at all. Some people, some people tend not to. Um, and some people get earmarked too. So it's a bit of a disconnect between university, which you're encouraged to be very, uh, very creative in a lot of ways. And then to actually switch over into the working side of things, it's a, it can be a bit jarring. Um, it's it, 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 hard for a creative person to work within the constraints of, um, of obviously laws and restrictions so you're you're actually creating something with a lot of restrictions. So there's not a lot of room to be creative. Was that was that very frustrating? Yeah, I mean it was. Um, I would I didn't do any creating because I'm I'm very young and that that kind of that stuff kind of gets reserved for the guys that are uh, guys and girls uh, that are in their you know mid to you know mid thirties uh, you know done their masters doing doing that that and upwards from there up to the directors you know they have their design architects that. Um, do that specific work and then um, it slowly kind of gets handed down the line and people do their bits and pieces to, to make it real or to make it uh, possible. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, I didn't enjoy being a part of that. I was kind of the guy that, you know, 
always had his guitar at work under his desk and, you know, on his lunch breaks was writing lyrics and then lyrics to songs and then slowly but surely started doing that when he should have been working and uh, just realized that that's that's more my inclination. I wanted to create. I wanted to tell stories and uh, and I wanted to make people laugh. That's That's been one of the, my biggest through lines, I think. Uh, you talk about did I know I wanted to be an actor? No, I didn't want to be an actor, but I think I was always kind of earmarked to be like a public speaker, comedian, host. When I was younger, I was always something that I was gravitated to and did school, did a couple of school plays and uh, um, always, <laughs> always kind of had, was drawn to those, those types of uh, characters on TV, you know, like uh, your Barrymore, your Rove Live. Um, yeah, even, even the early Graham Norton as well, just those guys that are such big personalities um, on, and just seem to get to play for a living. Uh, that's 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 a lot of fun, and that's creativity, you know. And we we talk about, and I suppose that's why we we sort of met and, and sparked it off because we're we're pretty much the same, you know. I'm, I'm a musician and uh, I'm a creative. Yes, but, that's right. And, you know my background story, where uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I I went into uh, creative advertising, which is very restrictive. Even though they say creative advertising, it's, it's a bit of an oxymoron, isn't it, mate? <laughs> Absolutely, um, <laughs> moron. Um, but you know, it's, it's it's one of those things where I grew a massive business, but it was it was very restrictive and choking. And then I had to really teach myself again what being creative meant um, for me, and what it actually meant for what I could put out there in relation to content and what people could digest and enjoy, not just for the purpose of selling things, but also just to make people happy and make myself happy. So just on that, I mean, we've had a lot of conversations about creativity and playing and storytelling and all those kind of things. What What's being creative to you? What does it actually mean? What does it actually mean? Um, to be to be creative is exactly what you're talking about. It's to, I think it's to be unrestricted. For me, it's um, it's the freedom to get up and just create something that day, whether it's, you know, you get up and you just sit on your laptop um, and drink a coffee and just write. Um, that's, that's my idea of heaven. It's just wherever I am is, is, and, and whoever I'm sitting beside is, is the, one of the best parts that add to that. You know what I mean? But as long, so long as I can get up and do that for the rest of my life, I'm, I'm pretty damn happy. Um, so I think that's, that's like an open expression is, is something, um, that I, I think I would define as as creative. I think you, it's not something you can just push. I think just letting ideas grow and having those uh, having those um, practices that let you harness and use that creativity to to slowly become what you do. That's 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 the art form. Like you can be creative as you want. You can sit sit at home and throw paint at a wall all day, um, but it's it's starting to involve those habits that will help people come in and appreciate that um, that paint on the wall. Yeah. Do you think do you think that do you subscribe to the idea that everybody is creative except um, and the reason they're not expressing it is because they're institutionalized to what a society. Oh. Has. I mean, like like you, you went straight from university, uh, straight from high school, straight to university, straight to a job. You're almost like the pinup boy for doing what society tells you to do. Um, is that the reason why most people crave creativity but never, ever uh, use their creativity because they're afraid of? Um... Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll, um, I'll jump right on that. I will continue that poster boy maybe for doing what you're supposed to do and then going the other direction, um, which is – I think something that I'll just take a moment to say, like me and my uh, co-author, me and my buddy Rashan, we're working on a uh, a book, a publication that will be specifically about that journey that we both kind of went through and uh, how we kind of use these certain tools to help guide ourselves from that path from uni to what we really wanted to do, even though what we studied isn't necessarily what we ended up doing. So, um but yeah, I mean, the th- and the through line there is being being willing to take certain risks. Um, so, because 
by all, all intents and purposes, I'm a university. I'm a master's dropout. I started doing a half a master's degree. Um, was getting good grades and everything, getting through it fine. And then I booked my first feature film because I was already doing masters and working and felt like I needed to be doing something else. So I was auditioning and, and I booked one feature and then another feature called Charlie's Farm um, with a few well-known U.S. actors um, and a and a very very passionate director, Chris Sun, and and from there it just it just grew. With, with creativity, obviously, you you try things, you, you do things that other people won't, but it also means you fail a lot, and I think that's the that's the biggest issue that people have is the fear of failure. Oh, big time, big time! You got to, I mean, you got to you got to be able to fail um, consistently and be okay with it. I mean, that's that's effectively the the job description for an actor. Is like you need to go into an audition room, um, feel like you've done your job, whether it's a, a failure or not. Um, it's it's failing forward, which which I really love. I, I think that's a really consistent thing. Just on what you were talking about before, mate. Sorry to interrupt. The the stuff about um, creativity and being institutionalized and that kind of been ruled out of us. That's something I'm I'm really passionate about, and that's why we started doing a book about that type of thing because. Hopefully, I mean, you you start to, to help people before it becomes a problem in their lives. But it's something that I think Sir Ken Robinson really started the conversation about with his TED Talk about creativity in schools years ago, um, which is really, you know, really exciting um, that he started that conversation. And so I'm hoping to be one of those people that, that carries the mantle um, when he's he feels he's done with that work. But um yeah, it's essentially drawing the um, to light how current schooling uh, in Australia, in the UK, and in the US, across the world, uh, you know, the, the standard way that they teach is is, is quite um, disruptive to to creatively creatively inclined people. I wouldn't say everybody is, um, or or you could say they are, but creativity is a much broader term. But I would say that for me personally, like. It took me 10 years to get back to creative writing after a teacher flat out told me that what I wrote in a class was completely wrong and, and made me feel embarrassed about it. So it took me a long time to come back to it. And coming back to writing is one of the best things I, one of the best decisions I've made in my career. So, so yeah, that's, that's what I'd say. Yeah, you're right. And it's, it's, it's quite amusing that the, the most creative people in the world, the ones that go against the grain that do everything that, they're not supposed to do are the ones that are revered. You know, you've got 30,000 people looking at mm. one thing um, who do, you know, just because they've decided to do something creative. Like it's frowned upon, if you know where I'm going with that. But just, just as a segue to to failure, um, what what have been some of your, your failures and, you know, what, what have you learned from them? You know, will, we, will you try again even though you fail? What, give us an insight into how you view that. That's a great question. Um so initially, I mean, to kind of go off what we were talking about, initially it felt like a failure that I didn't finish architecture school. Like that was going to be a backup and a plan B and all these types of things. But um, eventually it's, I think it's all about reframing that and realizing that it's not a failure. It's not a, an unfinished thing. It's, it's something that led you to what you're doing. Um, and so that would be something that is, I wouldn't consider it, a failure, but at the same time, in a lot of conventional ways, it is. It's it's an unfinished something that costs a lot of money, and um, so I, w- I would definitely say that um, I've I've had some pretty terrible auditions um, across the way. Um, not every audition goes well, and I once went in for a a audition for a musical theatre role, which I'd never done before. And I just wanted to kind of challenge myself being in Brisbane uh, where I cut my teeth back in Australia and um, wanted to wanted to see, you know, if I could uh, do this uh, musical theatre type thing. So I went in for an audition and luckily it wasn't a, a big audition. It was kind of like in a smaller community theatre and it was just me one-on-one with the creator and she was on the piano and she, I was just like, oh, it's okay. I bought the guitar and uh, I ran through this song and the look on her face just said, this guy has never done musical theater before, nor will he ever do musical theater with me. Um, will you do musical so that, theater? That was, 
Um, uh, I've, I've always kind of thought it would be a lot of fun. Um, and that's a question you get a lot as an actor is, would you do theatre or um, have you done theatre? Um, which I haven't. Um, I've always had all my opportunities come via the screen and I really enjoy screen, um, which is it's where my expertise is in a lot of ways now because it's only I've only ever been screen since I started. Um, and although theatre would be a lot of fun in the way in the way it, it kind of lays out and going back and doing it every night and finding something different each time and getting to spend such an intimate amount of time with, with people. Um, Scheduling-wise, and uh, I, the way I value my lifestyle, is I'm not sure it would be the right choice for me. So um, it really just depends, mate, honestly. You, you'd never say no to doing a show on Broadway if the role was right for you. Absolutely. So do you think that that failure is, is one of the keys to – to your success, the fact that you stood up there with a the guitar not knowing what you were doing, was that a motivator, that failure, to keep to say, okay, well, you know, that was a good lesson, now I know what not to do, or, or did it bring you down for, for a little bit where you had to sort of, you know, grind your way back up again? I think that's, I think some failures, it, it's like a, it's, it's a threshold almost, like some you've already been through before, like I can go into an audition now and even if I, stuff up a line I don't drag myself over the coals for it because you know you've been there you've done that it doesn't matter how big the audition is it's all the same you know um as long as you're consistent and go back and work on your craft and work on your on everything you know you'll be you'll be that little bit better the next time um so but yeah sometimes you you have those um those moments where you're like, this is a huge failure. Like when my football career ended, I used to play footy when I was younger and that ended up uh, having to give it up because of, uh, because of, uh, uh, ongoing, ongoing pelvic injury. So, I uh, couldn't go back and play. So that became like a huge failure and it kind of brought in a lot of, um, a depression and didn't really know what, uh, what the, uh, what my identity was as a young man, but uh, that failure and not being able to go and play sports so much led me to discovering my more creative side again, led, led me to singing and learning the guitar more, which led me to acting, which led me to filmmaking and what I do now. So that failure turned out pretty well. Um, so, and because of all of the, the therapy and all of the, the different things that I've kind of had to go through with that over five years of ongoing physio and uh, self-management and all those things, um, it's made me understand my human vehicle more. And you, you, that's that's what we use every day and it's what I use as an actor. So it's, it's super, super handy to have in how I manage myself. So, you know, talk about turning it around, I guess. Some of us are comfortable with speaking in front of people, doing this kind of thing. Uh, it's just we thrive on that. Some people are paralysed. And it's not just that. It's, it's also just being paralysed to do anything. So for the benefit of our listeners out there, what, what piece of advice would you give to someone who is really wanting to do something different, who has a particular talent but is overcome by fear. What's that one piece of advice that, that helped you get through those auditions and those nerves and all those kind of things? So for the benefit of our listeners, that, that gem that could allow them to take that first step towards something that they want to do. I would say something that uh, a lot of mentors and role models I hear say pretty consistently and something I, I say to anyone that I'm mentoring and I've been lucky to, to mentor quite a few young people and maybe sometimes people my own age that have come to it later. Um, and that's just start because even if it's that little thing, that little something of just having a, writing two words or getting up and saying two things out loud in the mirror. It's the only way to kind of bust through that threshold is to just start feel uncomfortable for a while. The, the, one of the sayings I really like by uh, Tim Ferriss who wrote the four hour work week and tools of Titans and tribe of mentors um, and runs an amazing podcast as well. He, he says, you know, it's the most successful people are the ones willing to have the most uncomfortable conversations. So, you know, making that decision that that always plays on me. And like, I need to have this conversation. I need to do this 
something, whatever it is, to to push through. Because if I don't, I'll let myself down, or I will have given up in in a sense. Um, so yeah, that's that's something that's something I would say. And the other thing is that like because of the internet, because of everything, because of the digital cameras we have, you can do so much practice in private by yourself. Um, you can do so much practice. Uh, which is why we're getting more and more incredible musicians, I think, as well, um, in in the new tech. It's actually good fun to feel stupid, you know, yeah. and sit and, and do this kind of stuff and and look at yourself and just laugh because, yeah. you know, you know, yeah, if someone was watching you, you'd, you'd feel like an idiot. But that's that's the beauty of yeah, it. Play, and I think taking that step and being uncomfortable is where you're you're most alive. You know, I just read a, a study about. Uh, the human body is at peak performance and peak health when you're at you know, a position where you're doing something that you've never done before, a risk or a, or something that's uncomfortable. The body is optimal and the mind is optimal. So we, I think we are designed to innovate. We are designed to do new things, to push. We are not designed to be put in a cage and, and restricted. So, you know, just to elaborate on, on, on what you said, taking a chance, look – if anything, worst case scenario, you'll feel liberated and you'll feel amazing because you've done something that you've never done before and it's an accomplishment and it allows you to take that next step towards the next thing because if you do it once, then you know what, I've done it once, I can do it again. That's it. I mean, that's it. I mean, that's what I, I constantly refer to that as like stress thresholds um, because it, it really is that thing of if you've been through that stressful situation before, um, it's... It, it, the next time it happens, it just doesn't feel as bad. It really doesn't. Like it's just the brain. People talk about neuro neuro pathways, you know, um, flattening flattening down the grass, but eventually the grass, you know, stays down if you drive over it enough times. Um, those types of metaphors are one hundred percent true. One hundred percent true. Going to going to the gym, going to the gym the first time and feeling really out of place and feeling really uncomfortable. We'll feel weird at first. It feels weird the first 10 times. It'll feel weird the first 20 times. But eventually it just becomes normal. Your body adjusts to the energy, your body. Um, your, your brain shifts, your chemistry shifts when you when you move into that environment, whichever it is. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. How do you develop new ideas? What's your process? Great question. Um, I I don't have a specific process in that I let them come to me because they'll come at random times. I just make sure I acknowledge them and, and capture them and write them down. Um, that would So that would be my first thing is like whatever comes to you that you think might work, write it down and just sit on it, have a little notepad. I always have this notebook that I travel with now. Um, and... I always, I'm always scribbling in it and making lists and kind of thinking out loud in that book because it, um, it's a great way to just develop ideas because they'll crystallize. And not only as, as maybe as, as a writer and a producer, um, I'll always, I'll always write what I think could be an MVP, like a minimum, minimal viable, minimum viable product in that, like I could, I could all these things that I've written. I feel like I could create. I could do this. I have the resources to do that. Um, sometimes I'll overstep that and, and push that boundary and things will just come back to you. But the, you, you can, there's, there's a way to kind of let the idea be unrestricted, but also you can, you can frame it with what you have available to you so that you don't get caught up in, oh, will I, won't I make this? It's like, of course you can make this. You have all the tools there already. So that's that's something that I, I kind of uh, try try to let my my creative process not be inhibited by is by uh, resources. Describe your typical day. Do you have um, a? <laughs> I just told you I get up, I drink coffee, yeah, and I write it. <laughs> you know, I, 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 it's one of those things you read so much. And I'm going to emulate that, and then you, you you try it for a bit, you figure out like this doesn't work for me. For me, it's like. I'm up at quarter to five yeah. every morning and I've tried to do so many different routines yep. because this guy's done it and I'll try that. But everything's just gone to shit because it doesn't work for me. So I, 
I feel you. I feel you completely. Yeah. Morning. I have a cup of coffee. I sit for twenty minutes because I need to. That's just my way of, you know. And then I just get on with it. So there's no, you know, you know, eat the frog and all that kind of stuff that you read about. Because people read. The the thing I'm finding is people are reading so much and they're listening to so much. They're trying to emulate so much, but forgetting to bring themselves and into the equation and what works for them. Yeah. No, I, I think I completely on that because I've read so many of those books about routines and habits and things like that. And yeah, not everyone, not every habit sticks. Um, and I'm, I definitely like it when I'm on my routine, you know, when you're getting up, you're making some tea, you're meditating. Um, I try to try to stave off caffeine for the first hour to two hours and then have my first coffee. But once I do, you know, I'll have two or three. Um, I, but in terms of like, in terms of things that are really stuck, things that are really, you just would not do the day without would be, um, some kind of writing one way or another, um, intermittent fasting in the mornings, um, which is something I always kind of do, which is kind of, you know, pushing out your first meal to six to eight hours into the day. And that's something I swear by in terms of, co- uh, you know, cognitive health and um, creativity and, and um, even just physicality for your body as well. It's really, really handy, especially when you're traveling. Um, yeah, so those those are two massive staples, I would say. Um, and I think the other would be, some kind of learning, so tr- fitting in, fitting in some type of learning in there. Because you talk about, you know, people are learning too much, and they are. You just got to broaden that. You know, what are you listening to, and and is it a podcast? Is it uh, a book? Um, I tend to I tend to favor books at the moment, audio books or, or physical reading. But uh, I definitely went through my podcast stage two, and I feel like I'm slowly coming back to it. So. Um, we're actually about to launch a podcast for the studio here as well, so we'll have to maybe invite you on, Dan, and uh, and talk about uh, your own approaches and hit you with some of these questions. Uh, yeah, we're, we're calling it the the, the Caldera podcast because we're, we're called uh, Caldera Cinema here in uh, Australia. So that's uh, here in Canada. So we're a Canadian Australian co-production studio. Yeah. The next the next question is a is a two pronged type question. So obviously we all know how hard it is to to build something, to chase something, it's the hustle, the rejection, all that kind of stuff that people know. How important have people been to you while on your journey and conversely, how has your uh, unrelenting desire to get to where you want to get to affected your family, friendships, etc.? Excellent question. Um to tackle the first part, and um, please let me let me definitely answer that second half uh, if we if we go off track. Um, to answer that first part, people and my relationships in the industry, um, and I call them my film family because they are, and they they have been everything because you. I was giving some advice to a, a friend the other day um, over over Instagram. She shot me a message, was asking about this, and I, you know, I said you should start to create your own meetups and you should start to do this, build your own community, and work on indie films as many as you can. And she said, "You've mentioned indie films before. Why why is this such a thing?" I said, "Because that's that's your film family. Those are the people that are in the trenches with you. This on this long journey. It's a marathon and." You want to be working with people you love. You want to be collecting those people into your circle, into your life, um, so that you're not sitting around hating life just so that you can try and get to some goal that feels so unattainable. If you're enjoying it, you, you'll just slowly ascend together or maybe quickly one of you, and then you'll send the elevator back down. But that's how, that's how film family, that's how family works. Um, I could I, – I, could not sit here and name particular people because there's just been so many amazing people 
Um, but what I do do is I try and post my gratitude and share my gratitude as much as possible. And I, and I tag those people where I can, or I, I frame it or, or write it in a way that those people understand that it's about them and just how much I appreciate them. And that's, that's my, you know, the people that represent me. That's the, the people I've made films with. It's the people that have come and crewed on my films. Um, that's the people that have taken a gamble on me and cast me. Uh, that's, that's um, the people that have taken the time to be a mentor or just to read a script um, when they didn't have to. It's, um, it's an amazing business to work in because you can find a lot of people like that. That uh, so long as you're willing to give back as well, you, you, they, they will share their time. You, you share each other's time. So, so there's that. <laughs> um, and uh, mate, you'll get me emotional talking about gratitude like that. Um, but the the family, uh, the how it affected relationships in terms of being so um, ambitious and driven. Um, I've I've definitely, and I'm not pulling any punches here. I've definitely had several uh, failed relationships um, due to my ambitious nature and um, and. Also being valuing, being mobile as in, you know, always moving, always willing to, to move to wherever the next uh, gig is. Um, even though I'm based. Yeah, please. If I can, is, failed relationships, is that purely because um, you, they thought you were selfish in your endeavours or you, you didn't have enough of yourself to get? What, what was the, what was the, I mean, it was probably a, a mixture of that, and and uh, maybe not communicating just how just how big the goals were, <laughs> um, which is maybe an ironic thing to to be uh, a communicator professionally, but that's that's sometimes how it works. Um, but yeah, so I was talking about I guess r- romantic relationships there. My family, my family have been very amazing and supportive. Um, you you know. Not once has my my parents, which you maybe you might expect, been like, "Hey, you should go back to architecture school." Um, they've been incredibly supportive, and even though it's been many years of not exactly knowing where this is going, or um, you know, maybe it's not entirely sure this is going to be a very sustainable life for one of their kids. Uh, you know, it's 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 nice when uh, they get very proud when they see you on neighbors or uh, or. Um, or you know, help you uh, come to one of your premieres and get to kind of see people watching your work, which is which is kind of fun. So it's yeah, it's it's that 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 was just a, a patience thing, and it's sometimes it, it can test those those closer family relationships. But um, you know, it's if you're lucky, if you're a lucky creative, you'll have uh, people that are very patient. Uh, just just being really true, being really true to yourself as well. Not not caving or settling, um, because if if you do, then that's you, you're setting yourself up for a very unhappy life. Yeah, I can vouch for that. I've got um, well, I'm I am married, and you know, and my wife is the complete opposite to what I am. So she's a very very patient woman in relation to uh, the world that I live in. You know, uh, in in her eyes, I'm, I'm very complex, but in my mind, we're, we're just very simple. But I try mm-hmm. I try to be. Um, as you do, I, I try to really understand where they're at and try and meet it sort of halfway so, you know, things aren't, aren't sort of strained, I suppose. But it takes someone, especially a partner, a lot of patience to, to live with someone who's highly driven and highly creative because you never stop. You just, you know, relax. I don't even know what the word, what that word means. So, you know, <laughs> so it, is, it is very taxing on those, on those people as well. So just, just on, a, on, on the issue of people, who is your greatest inspiration? Do you have one, or who do you turn to? Um, I'm getting this um, getting this question more and more often now, which is quite interesting um, because it, it forces you to kind of think about, okay, who is my biggest role model at the moment? And it's kind of it's kind of changed depending on where I'm at. Um, for a long while, when especially when I was in Melbourne and when you and I met, I was running in entrepreneurial circles, which is fantastic. And the amazing, it's amazing the skills that um, that you carry on from there, and uh, how that I now kind of apply to to what I do now. Um, so, I mean, at that point, it was probably someone 
like a, a Tim Ferriss or a, a Richard Branson. I get Richard um, Branson a lot, and and I for one look towards him as well. For, for you, is it the fact that he's achieved so much, but he's he's, he's that free spirit where it's like, you know what, fuck it, just give it a crack and see what happens. Yeah, he's still doing him. Like he's still doing him. He's um, still having fun with the process, you know, doing his doing whatever kind of pleases him and, and makes his family happy, you know. Um, I've no doubt that, that that the life he chose has really would have been really tough on on him and his daughters and his wife at some point. Um, but he seems to really go to the next level to to make sure that um, being in the situation they're in, they're, they're giving as so much value to each other and and to many many people's lives. Now that's I mean that's that's next level. It's amazing. Um, and someone that I really look up to as well in that respect is Will Smith. Um, the act, the actor, he's, um, again, he, he walks into a room and he's, he's so determined to just bring everybody's day up and energy up. And that's, that's someone I really, uh, really love and respect. And same with my co-author, that's, he's something that, um, that we both, he, we both really love Will and, and where he's come from and where he's going in his direction and, and what he tries to do with each and every project and, and each and every, uh, interaction. So, um, you thought it was Insta? Will? Yeah, because he's, he's actually yeah, doing yeah. a lot of really cool stuff, in, you know. Uh, like not motiv- not motivational well. stuff. Absolutely. It's actually, yeah. the, his delivery is actually very cool and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's not, you know, that's not a preaching thing. It's more a case of, well, this is what works for me, you know. Um, no, totally. And he's, he's, a very, uh, he's a very religious man as far as I know. Um, and same with uh, people like Tony Robbins as well, religious man. But that's not what they're that's not what they're about. I mean, it's 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 um, they've got a great way of connecting with everybody and feeling like it's very much we're all on the same level. And and yeah, I really like that. Um, I really like that about Will, and I like the stuff he's putting out now. Um, in terms of like career-wise and and where I want to get to, uh, Bradley Cooper is some is someone that I look up to hugely, and um, just when I saw him in his uh, director, producer, uh, actor debut in uh, A Star Is Born, and he was fantastic. He was unreal. Um, and so not only as like an actor, but uh, yeah, also as a producer, director, creator. Uh, Philanthropist, <laughs> he's um, yeah, he's he's someone that I really respect and uh, and would love to work with one day. Would absolutely love to work with one day, but it won't be a failed career if I don't. It'll just be um, I'd love to get to that level, and that's where I'm shooting for. Some some things are meant to be, some things aren't. Having said that, do you believe in coincidences? Ooh, um, I I've I've, I've always kind of enjoyed how things come about how things kind of gravitate into your life um yeah i i i'm a firm believer that uh you've got to be open to opportunity you know you it's yes it's right place right time but you you can't be in the right place while you're sitting at home um and you're more likely to have those funny funny coincidences in in inverted commas uh if you're out and about um, just doing you and, and uh, creating value and, and bringing people up. So, yes, sometimes I, I think I sway back and forth between believing in that and not. Um, I am just know that I appreciate those moments when they appear in my life. What's your favorite book? Do you have a favorite? The book that most impacted me that, that I can remember is the first time I read Tim's first book, The 4-Hour Workweek. I listened to that on audiobook about three times in a row and was just kind of floored by the whole concept of uh, being able to set up your own uh, work situation and work from anywhere, um, but it, which is something I've gone and done and come come back from and, and sometimes I go towards it again. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's certainly something that, that had a profound effect on me. Um, the other favourite book to date that I've been recommending like crazy would be Brian Cranston's uh, A Life in Parts. 
uh, Brian Cranston, the, the actor that was made famous playing Walter White in Breaking Bad, um, or for those for those that know it, uh, he was Hal the dad in Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, so he's got a soft spot. A lot of people have got a soft spot for Brian, um, and he's crushing it now on all these different features that he's uh, put out, um, and including some of his own because he's a director producer as well. Um, he's his book is amazing in terms of life advice and experience and also for actors as well um it's it's a fantastic read and i couldn't put it down that's a mixed it's a mixed bag i'll, I'll note that one down i'll note that one down so mm. what, what's the what's the future hold for you mate? what's next um the future yeah i'm excited i mean I'm, i always get excited when i think about this stuff um I so I'm definitely going to be here, staying on in Canada, um, getting set up and getting myself uh, even more established here. I'm very lucky to have quite a few friends um, in the industry here already, and and some that aren't as well. So I've got quite a wide base of friends. Um, but I, I want to be a very recognised name and and brand here in Vancouver before I move on to to LA. So that's going to you know take some some good time and and um, care and, and going out there and, and sharing and, and giving as much value to the community here as I can. So that's going to, I'm excited for that. It's going to be a lot of fun um, and spending the time here. And, but also I'm, I'm still connected with Australia with some of these projects are, con- are intended to be Australia based. And if, uh, um, if any of them take, take hold while I'm still here, then uh, I will go back and spend that time in Australia uh, so that could be anything from a TV pilot to a web series to um, to my first feature as well. So um, yeah, so it's exciting to see where where that'll where that'll go, mate. But there's some big shows here that uh, that me and my representation are looking at in particular. So um, it'll just depend on where the opportunities present themselves. Anything you can share, or is it all close to chess at the moment? Uh, what I can share is that we're going to be releasing a Rogue Roy trailer this month and the Rogue Roy just, which we met at the start of the podcast is going to be, uh, is, is based on the red arrow, but in the DC rebirth universe. Um, and so it's, that is designed to be a pitch to, uh, to the showrunners that uh, are making the DC content. Um, that is and, it's an awesome, it's an awesome, awesome um, piece of um, of work that we've done that you've done there, and of yours truly Thanks, has the mate. privilege of of collaborating with Dave to to create the actual posters and, and all the paraphernalia. So I'm I'm pretty stoked about that. So I'm actually looking forward to seeing that get off the ground because it's it looks really great, and it's gonna it's gonna be amazing. Thanks. Thanks, man. It's taken a long time. It's been a long journey, and we're excited to get this next trailer out. Our our, our um. Our editor Matt, um, he he's a very very talented editor, and he's uh, got um, his own visual effects company as well, uh, Zeret as well. That's X A E R E T. So um, he uh, he's got some amazing ability that we're, that we're really excited to share back in Australia as well. So it's it's going to be a, it's a collaborative work, mate. The stuff you're doing with the posters as well is going to be huge because it's it's all working together we've got a comic book style artist as well she's helping us with a lookbook it's um it's a huge collaborative effort not to mention the, the production team and the, the actors involved and those that are helping promote it um and we're looking to go even bigger too we've still got one extra shot plan next year that's going to be uh, something that's never been done before in brisbane um i can't say too much about it other than it's a it's an it's a one shot uh, action scene that was uh, very heavily influenced by Daredevil and uh, some of the Marvel universe and uh, and the True Detective series as well. So it's going to be it's going to be a very interesting uh, endeavor. But um, you've got to go big with something like that. We want we want to get the attention of the, these guys and and create this show and um, and we believe that uh, it could be an Australian based show too. So. Uh, yeah, you've got to go big. You've it's a great team behind you, so it's 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 going to be it's going to be awesome. So, so what's the space? Like I said, man, film family. It's all film family, Dan. Just got one last question, but before I do, where can people find you? Is it obviously the IMDb? You're you're on that. You're all over that. Yes, 
Yes, uh, I'm on IMDb and I always encourage people to, to check that out. Um, you can just imdb.me slash Dave Beamish um, or you can just Google Dave Beamish IMDb. Um, I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Dave underscore Beamish. That's B-E-A-M-I-S-H. And um, also we've got uh, the website, which is davebeamish.media. So that's that's kind of a collaboration of all my works and uh, the brand new launched production company and brand which I'm quite proud of called uh, Moving Tail Productions. So Moving Tail is in T A L E Productions. So we're uh, we're under movingtail.com. All over it. There you go. There you go. Jump online. Dave Mish. He's wearing. He's now sporting the long red locks, which you will love. <laughs> the ginger mane. <laughs> Do you have the last lead? Do you have any closing comments or quotes for our listeners? Something you want to close with? A takeaway? Um, yeah, I um, firstly I want to give my gratitude to you, mate, because uh, what you're doing and, and what you, what you're uh, encouraging in terms of the creativity and the community in Melbourne and and over in LA and and across the world when wherever the podcast is being listened to, it's um it's awesome, man. I mean, it's it's great to have that. Um, has that resource, I think. And I was listening to to um, stuff like this um, less specifically when I was starting out. And I wish I could uh, have a, a podcast just like this conversation back then. So I, I hope uh, people enjoy this one. Um, in, ter- in terms of quotes, I mean, there's so many that um, there's so many that that really helped me in my life. Um, there's uh, there's one that. Uh, there's one that uh, Will Smith kind of made famous by talk, mentioning it in, a, I think, in a Golden Globes acceptance speech um, that was uh, um, whether you say you can or you say you can't, you're right. And that's that's something that is very profound that stays with me. Um, a, a famous architect quote uh, by Mies van der Rohe, which is less is more. That's, that's always... Um, something that, that as a minimalist really vibes with me. And, um, yeah, I think the last thing I, I would say is if you're starting out in the industry and in creative industry, um, I always say proactive breeds active. If uh, you, You've got to be ready for the opportunities when they come, so you've got to get ready. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is obviously Dave's story is truly a story of putting everything aside and really chasing your dream, going against what everybody says you should do, but still digging deep and just going with what is right for you. It's about finding the beauty in the unknown, being uncomfortable with the bumpy roads and accepting them for what they are. Uh, Obviously, he's a a free spirit with uh, a self-confidence that gets a lot of people to look up and take notice. So, Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure. I hope that you all have enjoyed this edition of the podcast. Remember to subscribe, check out uh, Dave Beamish uh, dot, uh, on, online on the IMDb and, um, and all the other social medias that he's on. You, no doubt you will find him, check him out because he really is an exceptional person. So, Dave, thank you very much for being on the podcast. I look forward to working with you uh, on these amazing projects. And until next time, subscribe because it, you know, it's greatly appreciated. And until then... It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure, Dan. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And until then, guys, go and crush life.